0: Hello, and welcome to Chatting, a podcast where people chat about how they learn and use English. My name is Sam, I'm a CELTA teacher and a performer, and I have a particular interest in pronunciation and expression. In each episode, non-native and native speakers will chat about their experiences with English, share their advice, and, at the end, I'll give some pronunciation tips for you to take away and practice. So, ready? Let's get chatting! This episode, I'm chatting with Geoff. Geoff is English and from Newcastle. Newcastle is in the northeast of England, and people from there are called Geordies, just as people from London are called Londoners. So you'll hear Geoff say the Geordie accent we met in a cafe socially distanced so you may hear some cafe sounds we chatted about the differences in our accents how we modify the way we speak and the importance of reading but first i started by asking jeff to tell me a little bit about himself
1: okay um my name's jeff um i've lived here since last august so august 2020 um so that's about five months out of the uk which is the longest i've been out of the uk but i've I previously longest was i was in madrid for about three and a half months a few year, years ago because my girlfriend was doing some research there and i've spent a bit of time in east asia and then just barring foreign holidays that, that's about it uh-huh. uh, so i'm not like greatly traveled but yeah more recently
2: let's think about um English in terms of two native speakers, uh, together, just for a second. How would you describe the difference between our English, if you like?
1: Um, I would conceive your English as being, well, obviously, I would, firstly, I would place it as probably becoming from London. My speech is, is obviously regional, northeast, much more regional, northeast influenced. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what tends to happen with that is that I will make a series of assumptions, probably, i will probably be able to guess that you're maybe university educated. Okay. You know that you've you've worked in a professional role. You know because there are there are elements of your speech which I wouldn't consider maybe harsher sort of London. You're not using slang like uh-huh. all of the time. Yeah. But similarly, me speaking to you, I'm um, I'm kind of using a form of speech which is is plays down some of the elements of Northeast speech. I went to university in Leeds, so you know I, I met a lot of people from Southern England or whatever. There's a kind of uh, speech pattern that you adopt, which you know retains some of your regional speech but takes some of it out. So I, I feel like I'm speaking to you in a kind of. There's a kind of e- each form of speech is not the strongest version of the speech that it could be. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. so
2: do you think we're trying to meet in the middle somehow? Well,
1: maybe that's a bit strong. There's an element of your speech which is how it comes to class as being related to the media and how I hear people talk in the, in media terms okay. coming from southern England. Mm-hmm. So that would be things which I see on TV or on the radio or whatever. and mm-hmm. um, I classify that as more of a mainstream British accent. Um, so probably it, rather than meeting in the middle, perhaps I'm moving a bit further than you are.
2: Why do you think that is?
1: It reflects the fact that there's more people living in southeast England and that southeast England tends to be considered to be the, you know, the prevalent form of speech in the UK.
2: Yeah. I was having a chat with someone, she brought up the idea of proper English. What does proper English mean to you?
1: I mean, obviously, the first thing that you think about when you hear the term proper English is you think about received pronunciation from, you know, the early 20th century style. I mean, I know that people don't generally speak like that anymore that's what you tend to think of first then you would go to your kind of your more modern metropolitan inflected bbc speech which is kind of an evolution which drops various you know formalities with the the british the english speech so not to say that someone from northeast england can't speak proper english as well but i think as i say this is is a bit of a bias towards Mm -hmm. the, the the speech of the educated person who lives in the southeast
2: let me ask you then, as your partner is a non-native speaker and you've travelled, do you modify your English in any way when you're speaking to non-native speakers?
1: When I speak to my partner, I often, I've often i actually internalised quite a lot of her. There's things which she'll, she'll say which are poor English and I, I actually copy them. Uh-huh. So my English will be deliberately, you know, it's a... It's a kind of language which we've constructed or whatever, okay. So, there's there's ways in which I speak which I know are in grammatical English but which I use anyway. Um, if I'm speaking to a foreigner who I don't know, I suppose I just try and speak slower mm-hmm. because they don't really understand northeast English accent. I mean, we lived with uh, my girlfriend's parents for about two months in Taipei because all they'd ever heard was American English, you know. So, they were like, We, you know, we can't really understands your English compared to what we've heard.
2: Modifications in your accent, then? Think about pronunciation, is there anything that you try to do when you're speaking with non-native speakers? Yeah,
1: well, what's the... Is the term glottal... What's the glottal stop? I'm not very good at doing the ends of words. Ah. Taiwanese is actually a bit similar. They don't do word endings, either. I I try and emphasise the whole word. I mean, northeast, I think, compared to down south... We don't really end words, sort yeah. of trail off. So I try and do that. I try and put the T's and the D's at the end. And I also speak slower. A good example is, or, or, say, Northeast England would be like slower, slower like that. But standard English is more like slower, slower, you know. It's yeah, a totally different. Mean.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so I would try and do that because I know that people will really understand what I'm trying to say. I mean, I think now I'm kind of talking a bit fast, to be honest, but that's kind of how I speak. And my brother lives in London, so if you spoke to my brother, it would be like his would be a much more controlled version of my speech. Yeah.
2: Ah, so have but you noticed his accent changing? Over yeah,
1: the it, it, it's definitely changed. It's more like yours. Not that much more, but it's significantly more enunciated.
2: With accents and with dialect. There are definitely words that you take out of your everyday speech. So, for example, I'm from London, and it's well known that we finish every sentence with the word in it. So it's sort of like a question tag.
1: If I was talking to people that knew, I'd probably probably swear quite a lot.
2: What what is it about swearing that's so...
1: It emphasises certain emotions and encourages it to dwell. I will say, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like... A Like is another one that Northeast English was so like, yeah, man, that's another one. Geordies tend to use speech in a different way. Um, it'll superficially resemble something, but it's not the same. It's like an older me- rhythm. But well, the, the classic is man. I mean, Northeast uses man in a totally different way from like the American, like, hey, man, you right. know? It's a totally different thing. <laughs> a, the, you know, if you're from China or whatever, you might think it's the same, but it isn't. It's got a different, um, totally different connotation.
2: Is there anything that you would like to improve in terms of grammatical skills, pronunciation, vocabulary?
1: But I mean, my formal grammar skills are are not really there. And I mean, you know, I think this should should be much more rigorous with formal training. I mean, not teaching people how to speak, like using a fronted adverbial, I don't really understand. It's not how I would do it. I would teach people, you know, principles of what, grammar is. Um, I mean, my vocab's fine. But, you know, I've always been a big reader, so I would place myself probably in the top 1% of vocab. You know, my speech isn't so good. In terms of enunciation, I think a lot of people might find it difficult to, to follow what I'm saying. So yeah, grammar and the way I speak would be the, the biggest thing.
2: Okay, so finally then, what advice would you give to an English learner
1: to help them. You, you need to know what sort of English you want to learn. Read high quality fiction, I would always say. If you want, if you really want to learn English, you need to read you know, great literature, I always think, mm. like your Dickens or your George Eliot or whatever. If you really want to be good at English, or, I mean, modernist fiction, not so much. Something like Mervyn Peake or something. Dance difficult English. talking. I mean, Tolkien. You know, read long stories, narratives. But if you want to be an academic, then you need to read a lot of journal articles. I always say this to my girlfriends, you know, read the journal articles, because that's how I learn academic writing. Focus on improving your written English as discreet from writing on your spoken English. And just try and, like, understand colloquial English speech. I mean, watching TV drama is a good way of doing that. And, yeah, as much time as you can spend. with Native English speakers who can speak the language well. Now, that, that, of course, that's difficult if you don't know what you're aiming for. I would educate people who speak English, basically.
0: Excellent advice from Jeff. Read great literature. This might seem a little scary at first, but go slowly, page by page, try not to use a dictionary for every word, and soon... You'll go from understanding the general story to catching all the nuances. Jeff asked a question about the glottal stop. Basically, the glottal stop is when you close your throat quickly to produce a break in the sound. An example of this is, uh-oh. You hear the break between uh and oh. Uh-oh. In English, this can depend on your accent, but it shouldn't change the meaning of a word. There is a great explanation about the glottal stop on the podcast's webpage. So, to this episode's pronunciation tip, clear word endings. Let's focus on past simple regular verbs ending in ED. When learning English, we learn that the endings of regular verbs in the past simple all use ED, but what you might not learn is that there are three different sounds d t, and id how do we know which sound is for which verb the trick is to identify if the verb ends with a voiced consonant or an unvoiced consonant first d regular verbs like welcome listen love encourage have voiced consonants We can hear the consonant at the end of the verb. M, N, V, J. If you can hear the consonant sound, use D in the past simple. Welcomed, listened, loved, encouraged. Try this sentence to practice. I listened to your podcast... And I loved it. Next. T. Regular verbs like wash, pick, drop, watch have unvoiced consonants. We hear more air than sound at the end. Sh, k, p, ch. If you can hear more air, something more percussive like a cymbal, ch, Use T in the past simple. Washed, picked, dropped, watched. Try this sentence to practice. I washed my jumper and then I dropped my jumper. Finally, ID. Regular verbs like decide, include, visit taste, have either a d sound or a t sound at the end. If you hear d or t at the end, use id in the past tense. Decided, included, visited, tasted. Try this sentence to practice. I visited a new town and decided to eat some local food. It tasted delicious. Final practice. Try this sentence to practice the three differences. I invited Lissy to stay and she stayed for longer than planned because she missed her flight. She thanked me with chocolate. Over to you to practice. So there we are. The transcript of this episode is available to read on the podcast's webpage, so take a look. Join me next time for more pronunciation tips, more advice, and, most importantly, more chatting. My thanks again to Jeff, and, for her music, a massive thanks to the wonderful Mara Carlisle. Bye for now.